0: When does a stand-up comedian write in her office? And when does she write on stage? Today, I'm with Daily Show correspondent Dulce Sloan here on The Writing Process. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second to last episode of the first season of The Writing Process. It's a deep-dive podcast conversation with writing masters. Thank you so much for following this inaugural season. Next week, I will close out the first season with hip-hop icon T.I. Today, you're going to hear from the newest addition to The Daily Show, the legendary Comedy Central satire news show.
1: I am Dulce Sloan, and I am a uh, stand-up comic, an actor, and apparently a writer.
0: If you haven't yet... Listen back to this entire first season. I talked to an acclaimed novelist, an award-winning poet, a YA author, a songwriter, a national politics journalist, a memoirist, and a comedian with a pair of Netflix specials. To close out this season, I'm going to pull all of the big lessons on writing process that I have myself learned, but before I do, I have two more stimulating conversations to share. And first, today, it's Dulce Sloan the Atlanta-bred theater kid turned performative stand-up comedian. Last year, she landed one of the highest profile jobs there is for a young comic, a coveted contract as an ongoing correspondent for The Daily Show, which came into national prominence when hosted by Jon Stewart and is now led by the celebrated comedian Trevor Noah. She described herself as a reluctant writer to me, Someone who was pulled into stand-up by a mentor and then taught how to write a joke. Understanding the structure of the premise, the setup, and the punchline. But like most comics, this was something she already understood intuitively. Probably aided by growing up performing in school theater programs. But she had to learn that you can dissect the words used to make a joke to make them tighter, fresher, and funnier. That seems to be what made her fall in love with stand-up though acting still has the first place in her heart. When I interviewed her before a performance she had in April, we talked about several writerly approaches she had tried, but didn't actually work for her. She tried morning pages, the concept of starting every day with free write to get to new material. It was too emotional. She tried long-form transcription of her sets to edit on a computer. Too sterile. She feels bounded by being a performer first. So though she'll write a joke out longhand and sort through word options, she likes best letting the audience tell her the direction she should go toward. Dulce told me that night she was going to be using a joke that had a transition between setup and punchline that she didn't quite like yet. She was still writing and editing, finding time to work on it based on how an audience reacted to it. Most of our time together centered on her stand-up work, which has gotten her on Conan O'Brien and led to Rolling Stone calling her one of 2017's 10 Comedians You Need to Know. But I closed out the interview talking about her writing experience in what is likely her most prominent role to date as correspondent on The Daily Show, which included a segment she had done visiting the existing U.S.-Mexico border wall in Tijuana. Throughout the entire conversation, you'll hear the balance she strikes between writing alone and creating with an audience, something any writer can understand. For example, I'm going to drop us into our interview when Dulce was talking about how she developed one of the cornerstones of her current set, her relationship to white feminism as a woman of color.
1: Like I had this bit that I talk about where um, like dealing with feminism and dealing with white feminists. Mm. And kind of being like, you know, I'm black first. And talking to them about that and, how, and trying to get them to understand the difference right. between them as a white woman and me as a black woman. And it just started out as a riff. And then I remembered it. And then after doing it, time it's it gets condensed down. And then it's like, okay, what are the main parts of this joke? What's the idea I want to convey? And how do... Because the setup of that joke... You know has changed because it was starting with me like talking about like me understanding the civil rights movement and those things happening, and then the fight for like women's equality seems to not be working mm. as much. so it's kind of make me going like, I understood the civil rights movement and all the things we needed to do, but there's so much more nuance in the women's rights movement and me kind of like having to just grapple with those and then dealing with the fact that unlike white women I still have to deal with racial mm-hmm. oppression and racial inequality and that's something they don't get. So I kind of talk about like having to deal with these two types of oppression on a daily basis and that's kind of changed a little bit and then from that bit I ended up having this bit where I talk about um like yeah i understand you want women's equality and that's why you in equal pay for equal work but i don't want to work and that's kind <laughs> of where i ended up with that bit cuz it's like i don't want to do this i want to be a trophy wife so and it's funny cuz i've had women like like very like staunch like white feminists going i can't believe that you you know you think this way and i'm just like nobody wants to go to work why are we acting like this is some <laughs> shit people want to do every day yeah you have goals and you want to be an archaeologist great fucking great but like there's so, many people, there's so many people that just have jobs. Mm-hmm. Some people have careers, but a lot of people just have jobs. Mm-hmm. And you have to go to work because you have to make money because you have to be able to you know, take care of yourself as a human being. But does anybody really want to <laughs> go to work? Does anybody really want to work every day? I don't think so. Like, it's, because she was like, do you not want to, I was like, I, I, no, I love acting and I love doing stand-up. But it'd be so much more fun if I didn't have to do it to support myself. (laughs) If I just did stand up and did acting, it was like, I want to do some shows today. (laughs) And I just did it and didn't have to worry about like, oh shit, I have to to be really good at this. Mm -hmm. So I can pay rent and I can feed myself. Like that's a whole nother thing that a lot of people were like, man, if money didn't exist, this shit would be so much
0: easier. (laughs) So can can we use a couple of those examples maybe even as... uh, like the the process of them so obviously those are really big and important ideas you're using jokes as a a vehicle to to drive something did are those similar you you work them out on stage first you have at some point and i would love to even hear if you have any memory of it you're just living your life and you're wrestling the first time i
1: did it i uh i had um i had this bit where i talk about uh Meeting a white man's grandmother—it's a—it's a—it's a bit like this has never actually happened, mm-hmm. but it was like you know, I'm meeting some, you know, white dude that I'm dating his grandma, and she's shaking an empty iced tea glass at me like I'm the help. <laughs> is basically oh. the problem is like, oh, it's like, and, and then what she here for? I'm like, no, I'm here to fuck a grandson. What are you talking about? So. <laughs> Because, you know, because the whole premise of the thing is, is like, you know, if I know this Dwight dude brings me home, he's going to get written out the will and then interacting with her. And then it goes into that part. But I was doing that joke one time. And then I got a flash of the movie, The Help, in my brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing those women go through like the whole civil rights movement, like the bus boycott and all of that. And that's what I, and that was the. Cause a lot of times the of bits when I riff stuff, I get like a picture of something. And that's when like, I got like a picture of that. And then that's how I started talking about. That's how I got into that bit. Mm. And I'd never said it before, I'd never done it before. I kind of just riffed the whole thing. And then I listened to it. Or someone was telling me what I said about it. And I was like, okay, this is where I started from. So I have to, so this idea worked. So then I have to go,
0: okay. Can I even be more granular? Sorry. But like, so you walk off stage that night and you're like, that was pretty good. Like right. you, you, and and you're, it's sitting with you and you're saying there's more there than I had. Or what is the actual mm, press? The,
1: the actual is, how do I get this as concise as possible?
0: Right. So you're like, that was good. I want right. more of that. How
1: right. do I convey this? Because stand up is basically economy of words. How do you get the punchline in the most effective way? So it's, how do I make this make the most sense? How do I get this condensed down to the thing that's the like the easiest to get to? Like what's the fastest way to get to me saying as a black woman I'm black first? Mm-hmm. And then I go from there. And then talking about, you know, how and then getting into feminism and you know how I grapple with it and try to figure it out as a black woman. So I go from that thing and then I go into the feminism bit because the feminism each bit can stand on its own; mm-hmm. they don't have to be together. So I also had to make sure if I'm just doing something where I just want to talk about just this, I want to talk about. I usually do them together, but I wanted to make it show like if I didn't do them together, those two bits could still
0: stand on their own. And are you when you're working them? Are you like pen and pad? You know, I among write, friends. Yeah, what is it?
1: I write. I have to write stuff down just because I guess I still I grew up. I'm still from the age where people had to write on paper. <laughs> so when I'm working out something, I have to write it down because if I'm typing, I'm too focused on the typing and not what I'm trying to say. Mm. And it's faster to get stuff down by hand because then I can mark through stuff. Because the thing is when you delete something on a computer... You go back and rewrite it, it's gone. Mm. I've done stuff, I've been working on something in where it's, I'll mark something through and go, oh no, that does work. Mm. So that's why I like writing stuff down because I can mark through something and go, oh no, that did work that way. Or I can see the different ways that I change and go, oh no, it did work that way. Or it worked the second way, not the third way. So I can see what the edits are if I write it down on a piece of paper.
0: Do you... Uh, how literally do you take it as work? Meaning, do you say, you know, nine to two? No. Like, yeah, w- so what is it? W- what is it? Time, process, uh, habit, what are things that go into that? If
1: it's something that I really need to figure out because the because the order of something isn't correct, then I'll write it down. But if it's something that I know works and I just want to tweak it, I do it on stage. Mm. There's not a lot of physical, it's physical writing of stuff down. It's like, you know, I have like little, what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to, because for a while where I just didn't have a notebook where I would just come up with new bits and I type them out of my phone and I'm like, this still works. But I had to go back to using paper. Um, because I was writing out bits that I already knew worked because I had not them out on stage so many times. Um, and I'd write them down like, okay, I've got this notebook. Let me write this down. But it wasn't a consistent notebook that I was keeping. So I have to go back to having a consistent notebook that I need to keep because I feel like that I've lost. Now that I've lost jokes, I've forgotten jokes. Right. Because when I look at set lists, it's just like the keyword word out of it. But like I was looking at one set list and it just said, I think it just said boobs. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck this <laughs> bit is. <laughs> Why does this just say boobs? What, what bit was this? And I don't have this other bit about boobs, but what's this bit about? But bo- I don't know. So I couldn't figure out if it was the same bit. And like I'll see stuff like from old, like if I find an old notebook and I'll look at a set list and I'm like, the fuck joke is that? Like last night I was talking to somebody and I remembered a bit, but since I didn't have my phone with me, I don't remember what the bit was anymore. So I was like, I thought just popped in my head like someone said something. I'm like, oh yeah. I got, to, I, I got. I I should work on that bit. And it's a it's a bit that's like a, t- a year old or something like that that I've only done a few times and not done again just because I started adding new stuff. But it was like, damn it! I didn't have a piece of paper with me. I didn't have my phone with me. So I don't remember what bit I remembered. But it's gone again.
0: Right. So, is it is there something provocative about the idea that with all digital technology you could pretty cheaply and easily. You wanna you wanna yeah? Oh, it's wanna, open, okay. thank you. Um you could pretty you can pretty cheaply and easily record everything you've ever said ever, you know, with your phone and and have it. So is there something is there a, a reason why the tactile pen and paper is more important? I mean you record your bits,
1: so just in case you say something new, then you can go back and listen to it. But I had like I had one I had a SIM card just die on my phone. And I lost all of those bits, right. but the other thing is, is like you don't always go back and listen, so what i'm gonna I'm not gonna have to do is like sometimes I'm like, okay, I know on that show I did a new bit, so sometimes I'm recording so I'll go new like when I'm saving it, I'll put new bit on it uh-huh. um, and then I' would remember to, like, okay, I have to go back and specifically listen to that, but what I really want to find is a app or a software where I can just run my set through it and it'll transcribe it for me. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Because what, I, what I'll what have the tendency to do is just, if it's an hour long, like, if it's like a hour long set, I'll go, okay, I know that joke, I know that joke, I know that joke, and I'll skip. But there's probably a thing that I said that would work right. that I need to use. So I really have to, like, dedicate myself to just sitting down and going, okay, listen to every single recording because sometimes I'm really loose on the stage and I like that because a lot of comics have a specific set list. Like one of my friends, he does his set list and he won't deviate from it. Me, I'm very loose. I'll come up with a set list or I know what I want to say, but if something happens in the room or I come up with an idea for something, for a joke, then I'll riff off that joke and say something Because sometimes some stuff, some riffs only work at that show in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then some stuff you can keep using. Like that, you know, like the feminism in the the black first bit. Those were riffs that I came up with that are now in my set. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I'm not someone like, because a lot of my friends they will have like, all right, it's every day I write for like three hours. That wouldn't work for me. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And so that, a corollary that that reminds me about so many genres, poetry, fic, short fiction, long fiction, novel, they're all based on this idea of you are working over your words so meticulously and specifically, you'll take years. And um, a lot of is like that too, but, but stand-up and hip-hop, th- 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 those two genres, like that form of entertainment, those forms of entertainment are ones that have people who Performers who say I am like those the short story writers, and I'm very meticulous, and I and I'm very processing words, but I have people who because of the oral traditions of, of these genres, I am. I think it has to happen more more fluidly. Mm-hmm. Is is that a corollary that, uh, that it seems apt between? And, and is there anything like important it, there? They're newer genres. I'm not, I'm trying to work through why that's so similar. It's both
1: genres have a live audience, and both drive, uh, For you I mean you're performing at a show. Both of them, you're performing in front of a live audience and you're trying to evoke a reaction out of that audience. Mm-hmm. And with stand-up, it's you're trying to evoke a laugh. Or you're trying to get them to think or trying to gross them out. Anything, you're trying <laughs> to get an emotional response from people. And so when you're in a genre that is very dependent upon the audience's reaction, you write knowing that Everything you say is supposed to get an audience's reaction, and so you have to write. And you ha- and that's why I let's stu- when I have something new, I'm like, okay. It's if I come up with a new bit, I you know I'll write it out one time, or write it out a few times, or I'll come up with a general like I'll come up with a structure of it, and then I have to put it on stage. I'm not I can't sit up and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. Because you can get, for me, it's, I've come up with, you know, I'm like, okay, let me try the way these other people do it, you know, successful comics, you know, my friends are doing well, who are like, yeah, I get a bit, and I write it, and I write it, and I write it, and then I put it on stage. But for me, I still have theater brain. Mm-hmm. So if I get my lines down, basically, because for me, stand-up is lines. Because when I'm getting, like, if I'm trying to do... It's interesting. For me, stand up is lines to the point where if I'm trying to do just a specific set, I will, to make sure that I don't deviate from it, what I'll do is I'll walk around and every step I take, it's because like every, like with your set list, it's buzz, it's a word or like a phrase from the joke. So if I'm trying to get it in my body to make sure that I don't deviate from that set list, I will walk around, and every step is okay. Da da da, da da da, Mm -hmm. da da da, da da da, da da da. -da -da. And then I'll go, and so I walk in a straight line, and all those jokes, and then I'll go back. But every footstep, and if I and it's, I'll start with, I'll take two steps for the same joke, and then I'll take one step for the same joke to get it in my body. Because like when I was doing like I did grew up doing plays, and so I would learn my blocking, like basically where you're placed on stage is called blocking. So I would learn my blocking from my lines and I would learn my lines from my blocking. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't the know motivation, what motivation. why right, am I going? Well yeah the motivation, why am I going there? but it's also it's like there's some people who could were I was really great at remembering my blocking, but I wouldn't always remember my lines. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people who are great at their lines but wouldn't remember their blocking. So I was like, let me marry these two so I know if I'm doing a show, if I'm on this side of the couch at this particular point, and this person's standing to my left and this person's standing to my right, this is what I'm supposed to be saying. And then when I move to this other part, if I move over to the person on my right, then I know what I'm supposed to be saying here. So it's, I've got my words in my body and then my body in the words, so I know exactly where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be saying. And so when I do that with stand-up, it's, I know I'm going to be standing still on stage. So if I put the movement and put the words in my body, then I know that's what I'm supposed to be saying because the words are in my body and this is the order that I say them in.
0: That's interesting. That's very different. Um, maybe two last questions before I ho- hopefully close with, with maybe a joke example that you've worked through, if you have memories of it. I already gave you the joke example. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Which one did you put in that category? of uh,
1: The one where the Black person Feminism bit? where see. it started out as a riff and then...
0: Got it. Went got all the way it. through. Well, then we're ahead of the game then. My final my final two questions then. Yeah, we uh, did it. <laughs> um, uh, how different are, are, are daily show appearances from your stand-up? Is it a similar process? Is there writing? It's a completely different process. Yeah. Can you maybe just a moment on the, on how that um works?
1: The daily show process is sometimes I'm involved with it where it's I'll pitch something to do at the desk or the writers come up with an idea for something for me to do at the desk. So if I come up with the idea, it goes to the writers, the writers write it out, and then you work with the writers to make sure that it's in your voice and it's the um and it's it's in your voice and it's in your perspective. And that's what you do both ways. Either if I pitch it or they pitch it, the writers write it. And then you work with the writers to make sure that it's in your perspective and in your voice. That's the different process, so I don't have to write out every single word Got it. that I do at a chat, because the writers write the entire show. Right. So it's good that the writers, you know, the writers have to write it to make sure that the show stays in the vein what the show is supposed to be in.
0: That house voice of the Daily Show. Right, the house
1: voice of the Daily Show, but then that's when you bring in the correspondent, because it's... You sit down with them, and they're like, okay, this is with the rough cut that we have, and then it's a collaborative um, piece after that, where it's you and the writers working, where it's like, no, let's say it this way, or, oh, let's put this joke in here, let's take this joke out, because you have to edit for content and edit for time, too. Right. So the writers will give you the first thing, and it's like, okay, we might make this a little shorter, let's make this a little longer, and then you have rehearsal, and then you go through to see if the jokes work. And then after that, there's another editing, and then it goes on the show. Mm. But this could all be one day, where you come up with an idea, you do the chat, you do the rehearsal, right. and then you perform it that that evening.
0: My last big i i big question for you is just your relationship to writing. It's interesting that at the beginning you kind of teased about now I'm being called a writer. Now, could you share a bit with that? means like what is your relationship to writing what is writing if you are if you don't think you're a writer what do you think writing means
1: i think writing means sitting down in a notebook or at a computer and then just like spousing ideas because like one of my friends had me doing um he had me doing these things called morning pages mm. where you wake up and the first thing you do is you get in a notebook and you try to like free write your stream of consciousness just three full pages. And I was doing this, and he said, You do it for like 14 days. And I did it for like six or seven. And I'm like, Fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> because it was too much. Mm. It was, because he's like, That's great. I said, No, I don't want to be that angry that early or that emotional. <laughs> Whereas, right. like, sometimes right. I write down stuff and be like, Y'all, man. Ah! So, like, there's stuff you think about that, <laughs> like, like, I forgave this person, and they're a piece of shit. Or it's, this horrible thing happened to me that I haven't processed yet. Or, I just want to be loved. Like, it's too, it's, I just woke up. right? So, <laughs> it's, it was too, it made me too emotional. Right. Because it was a free ride. And you just woke up. So, all of those things that you have in your brain to block out, like, everything that you have, like, okay, this is behind this door, and this is behind this door. When you first wake up, all those doors are open. Right. And then all of these little demons get to creep out. And I'm like, ah, 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 ah. I pray too hard. <laughs> Back inside, demons. No. <laughs> and it made, and it was like I was coming up with stuff. I was like, yo, I didn't need to know that about myself. All right, next. Oh, this is very helpful. No, it's not. It was too fucking emotional. So, like, it was – because I have done, like, real writing before. Like, I wrote a um, a commercial for Lane Bryant uh, mm. at the end of 2016. Or, like, the summer of 2016 for their fall campaign – I wrote a Lane Bryant commercial, and so that's the. I think in my mind, that's like real, real writing, like writing. Like I wrote words for other people to say, right? Like the writers on the show write for Trevor, and write for us for the desk pieces, because when we do the field pieces, that's all us. No one writes those words, and a lot of the stuff for field pieces, like we have joke meetings and we talk about what the main points we are that we're going to hit. But, but of
0: climbing the, the wall in Tijuana or, or hanging around, that's, that's that's you hanging there. That, you know, yeah, like when bit. Costa
1: climbed the wall in Tijuana, no one wrote that down on a piece of paper for him to do. It was, let's just see if we can climb this wall. Like, let's just see what happens <laughs> if I jump up on this wall or if he, when he climbed on top of the truck. Because I got up there too, but there was like, you can only have like three people up there. Okay. So I got up and we filmed some stuff with him and him yelling at the dudes working on the wall. But a lot of stuff we just did at the time. But when I, did, when I did my first one in Chicago, a lot of those questions were planned out because it was so much information right. that we were trying to get to people and get them to really understand that program and understand the kid that was in it and the guy that was running it. Those questions were very, very mapped out. But my responses weren't. And their answers weren't. So we had points we wanted to hit. In Mexico, we had questions and points. Like when we interviewed people, we had exactly what we wanted to say. But our responses to those people was not written out, and certain stuff that we did, like uh, yeah, Costa jumping up on the wall, that was not <laughs> anything that's planned out.
0: So I think with me in writing, it's it's very much a. Was, was there like writing the so you guys had you know there there was a there was a a bit in this in this piece where you guys go to the you know explore the border wall that's being tested in Tijuana, and mm-hmm. and you guys have character tropes. You know he he is. I'm aloof and, and overconfident. You are, you know, speaking Spanish and knowledgeable. Is that something that you guys, in a meeting, you are writing out essentially? You know, these are the characters and, and the way we're going to drive forward a point. How much of is that is built on the spur as opposed to writing ahead of time?
1: All of that was ra- all the questions we had to do were written ahead of time because I had to make sure the Spanish was correct. Right, right. Um, so, because at one point I asked to do the question, he was like, "What?" and I was like, "Let me check with the interpreter." And I was like, "How do you?" Because I had to I had to learn how to say rapists in Spanish. Like I didn't. I knew how to say, like, thief, and I know how to say, like, robber, but I know how to say rapist in Spanish. And then, because um, we didn't have an interpreter with us, so when Costa had questions, they could interpret it for them. Right. Um, but there were things that we wanted to convey when we did the Mexico piece and we were talking, but, like, um, two of those interviews were planned and two of them weren't. Mm. We didn't expect to be able to talk to people that were living there. So the two interviews we got with the people that live there, that was very much on the scene and we had to figure out those questions right then on what to ask those people. So lady Maggie that I was talking to who built her whole house that we were sitting in front of, she right. built her entire house and everything there. It's you know, we kind of plan the questions and then I asked Maggie. So it's some writing that's done on the spot and then there's writing that's done beforehand when we do a field piece. But we do it sometimes we do have jokes that we want to hit um, if there's a joke and a question, we do that. Um, like when I did the man on the street thing, asking people about the Pledge of Allegiance, there were specific questions that I needed to hit. Right. But, you know, it's, everything can't be, it's not, we're not Dateline. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this isn't like you're, we're not, you know, we're not 2020, this isn't CNN. Right. So it's, you know, a lot of times it's jokes. But you still want real responses and real reactions from people because it's still a type of journalism. Yeah. Which since, since it is a type of journalism and I never thought about being a journalist, um, it's interesting that basically I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a journalist.
0: I like ending on the note of identity as a topic Dulce so often confronts in her material. In this sense, what kind of writer she is becomes an important way to understand her process. That's how we'll end this second to last episode of the first season of The Writing Process. Look for The Writing Process on iTunes and all of the many places podcasts appear and subscribe. You'll be able to look back at past episodes and be contacted when the second season kicks off. You're going to be able to also find all of the episodes of this first season on writingprocesspod.com. Thank you to my guest, Dulce Sloan, whom you can find on Twitter at Dulce Sloan and on the webs of the internet at dulcesloan.com. Thanks also to comic Jack Fitzsimmons for helping me record this interview after some last-minute technical challenges. I'm your host, Christopher Wink. Find me at Christopher Wink. or organizing my annual neighborhood block party. Our theme music is from James Spirola, who always confuses the setup premise and punchline of his jokes. Until next time, remember, choose your words more carefully.